I went to their office. I had a different colored shirt on, a different pair of pants, but still the same blue blazer and a tie. And they said to me, look, you could start in a week or so, but you got to lose that Morgan Stanley look. And I was like, okay, that's something we can do. The next time I showed up, I had a pair of jeans on, a New York Yankees shirt, and a pair of sneakers. And they was like, that's much better. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to Traders Insight Radio by Interactive Brokers. Find more podcasts and daily market commentary at tradersinsight.news. The following podcast contains options-related material. Prior to listening to today's podcast, all listeners should read and familiarize themselves with the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. Please remember, any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Sosnick, Chief Strategist at Interactive Brokers, and welcome to another episode of Traders Insight Radio. Today, my guest is Donnie Roberts of the Small Exchange, um, and he's going to tell us about uh, their offerings. We've done plenty of stuff with Small Exchange before. They're, they're very active on the Traders Insight platform. Um, as a firm, we've done various webinars and, and other educational events with them. Uh, but I'm going to let Donnie introduce himself better than I can introduce him. So go ahead, please. <laughs> Hi, Steve. How are you doing? And thank you for Interactive Brokers for allowing me to come on. I really appreciate it. Well, um, some people have mentioned that I've had a little bit of a colorful career. I, I, I think that that's a little accurate. <laughs> Uh, I, I've done everything I think that somebody can do in the financial industry from trade checking on the floor to being a floor trader to selling electronic trading platforms to opening new accounts, funding new accounts, risk manager, chief compliance officer, operations guy. And now I've moved on to starting an exchange, which was a a great little effort, a, an awesome puzzle to put together, and we're still moving and growing and and enjoying the the ride, so to speak. Now, one of the things I would say, knowing about your biography, is it, it, I, I would I don't know that I'd use colorful. I would you know it is colorful actually, but diverse or, or you <laughs> yeah, know certainly yeah. is the case. Walk us through it because I think people would be very interested to hear your metamorphosis, which I think is a phenomenal one. All right, I can do that. So uh, I had been attending a St. Bonaventure University in Western New York. Uh, I had taken a class on options as a, an elective in senior year, and I became enamored with them. I became enamored with the possibilities uh, of trading options. And then when I got to grad school, St. Bonaventure was, was good enough to have a derivatives class, a futures class, and an options class. So I went and took those classes, and again, I became enamored with it. I was like, my goodness, I didn't know that this type of trading existed. I was just like everybody else. I had an IRA account that had mutual funds and, and a couple of stocks in it, right? So I came out to Chicago, and a friend of mine had been trading and arbing the floor from uh, an upstairs position. He was one of the first guys, I think, to do it electronically. And oh, wow. he was trading electronically and on the telephone at the same time, right? Because okay. of the technology restrictions or, or limitations back then. I'm gonna age myself, but this was back in 1997 here. So 
I had been scrounging around the floor looking for introductions to to firms, right? So I went and visited the CME, the CBOE, and the Board of Trade. And every time I went to see an opening uh, of a market, my hair stood on end. I got goose pimples, and I was like, I got to do this. Wow. And eventually, I ran into a nice gentleman by the name of Mike Juniman who worked for Timber Hill. Just for those of you who are not familiar, Timber Hill is the predecessor firm of Interactive Brokers. When I joined, we were Timber Hill. We had this weird little sideline gig called Interactive Brokers, which Donnie will get to. <laughs> but just uh, so spoiler alert, Timber Hill does come up importantly in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was one of my uh, amazing first jobs. And one of my I took a lot of jobs in my life, Steve, for experiences, right? Mm -hmm. My education, I went to graduate school. I was fortunate enough to go to Oxford. Prior to that, I was in the Marine Corps. So everything I did was for the experience, right? Yep. And I started talking with Mike Juniman, and he says, hey, I think you should come and work with us and try floor trading. Come in for an interview. I went and saw him, talked to him, he called me the next day, and he said, when can you start? I said, I could I could come out next Monday. He goes, you don't have to go that fast. But, <laughs> but we do want you to come out as soon as you are able. So I went home, collected my thoughts, let my family know what I was doing, filled up a cardboard box with everything I could carry and jumped on a, uh, on a bus and took wow. a bus to Chicago. Wow. I got off the bus and I really didn't know where the hell I was, but I could <laughs> see the, the board of trade. Uh, down the street. Yep. And I was like, okay, now I'm familiar with kind of where I am and started working and working on the floor for Timber Hill. I remember five o'clock in the morning, sitting in front of a green screen, matching <laughs> trades and, oh and trying to make sure everything balanced. And then I, I got a promotion and, <laughs> and then I started going down to the floor okay. and, and talking about trade checking with other trade checkers and uh, making sure everybody was balanced before the end of the day. So that was a pretty cool experience, to say the least. It was my first exposure uh, to the financial industry in, in all in some of its glory. Uh, <laughs> or lack, or, or, uh, or even, or even lack amidst the most inglorious parts of it, because that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's funny you say that, because people think they just click a button and all this magic happens and the trade shows up in their, their account. Well, there's about 500 to 1,000 moving parts that happen before that actually occurs, but uh, I digress. I passed my CBOE test and became a market maker. Did all the mock trading and everything that I could possibly do. Thought I was prepared. Walked into a pit to shadow a trader for a day, and I was like, wow, that this is really something else. The market went into a fast market. Uh, oh, day, I, day one, you were in fast market. Day That's one, impressive. I, I saw a fast market and I was like, geez, can I do this? Can I keep up with these guys? And I just resolved myself to learn. Don't make any major mistakes. Small ones you can fix. Major <laughs> mistakes put you in the unemployment yes. list. Uh, uh, let's, ju let's just digress for a second because yep. fast market is a term that I think a lot of our listeners haven't heard. You have to be of I'm a certain age uh, <laughs> to have heard that. Every exchange had a slightly different way of, of, of defining fast market, but essentially that meant that the market was moving faster than the floor traders could keep up. So keep up as with the quoting. Yeah. Exactly. So as a result, 
you had some discretion to whether to honor the quotes or not because the quotes weren't keeping up with the underlying prices. Um, that's not something you could really imagine right now, but that that was a pretty that was a not infrequent occurrence. That was a very real thing. And like I, I talk to retail customers throughout my career, sometimes they wonder why market makers widen out their quotes, et cetera. And if I hadn't been a floor trader, I would wonder the same thing myself, right? Yep. Because it was very, very challenging. If you're if you think about the amount of quotes and the amount of data that comes through a, a set of computers for say trading five stocks, trying to mentally keep up and update your quotes so they're on the board and posted for at your pricing. Yep. That was pretty challenging. And it, it was an, an adventure to say the least. One of the things that we used to have in the room sort of as a legacy, and I, some, some of the listeners have probably heard me say this before, is we had a big sign, you know, in the, in the trading room, um, the bridge as we used to call it, yeah. um, which was, I forget if the exact verbiage was in fast markets or if it hits the fan or, or something of that nature, but it was widen markets, reduce sizes, raise volatility. There you go. And yeah. and while we don't necessarily do that same sort of overt calculation day to day, it goes on in the market still. Like people wonder, you know, oh, you know, market's really moving fast. Why did the quotes widen or why did the sizes shrink? Guess what? That's now instead of like having to do it by hand or tell the machine to do it, it's now being automatically programmed into algorithms. But remember that the algorithms are just reflecting human behavior, just That's faster. Right. You know, all yeah. these all these behaviors that we used to do, which was widen markets, shrink sizes, raise volatilities, it is now being done dynamically. So you don't have the ability for the except in the case of, you know, limit up, limit down halts, it doesn't, the trading doesn't slow down. But I think people lose sight of the fact that liquidity is not co neither constant nor given. And that's correct. And when markets get crazy, it behooves the individual who's trading to think, to think about how can I provide liquidity as opposed to how can I consume it? Because consuming it gets very expensive in those situations. Very expensive. But the, those three, those three tenets that you, you, you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. well, those are good ones for even a retail customer to, to look at and honor, reduce size, reduce amount of capital you're using uh, in volatile markets. I mean, look, you can profit just as well as you can get run over, yes. right? Risk, but the risk reward trade-off is reward. always there. But you should always look to survive to fight another day, yep. right? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Learn how to hit singles and doubles, especially in really volatile markets, or or play defense and protect your capital. Hey, that's just the way the world works, and professionals have been doing it for as long as I can remember, and. And now retail customers, with the advent of the accessibility that they have and the tools that they have, can also practice things that only pro traders could do 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And, and we'll, this this will lead us into the next chapter because you, you had a big role in that um, in, in all your career moves. But I think that's one of the things that individual traders, particularly newer ones, have a tough time realizing because because the the tools that that an average person can show up with the tools that we provide, you know, here either here or interactive at interactive brokers or at any number of of, uh, of firms. We like to think we do it better, but let's be yeah. real. There's tools everywhere. 
um, those tools were were only for the most uh, were only you know for the most dedicated professionals, and now every, sure. everybody can use them. But the strategies, the psychology, I, I'm going to argue, hasn't really changed for th- you know hundreds of years. It's human, na- <laughs> it's think, human nature. I don't think it has either, Steve. But the the main thing, like you mentioned, the tools that people have been provided. Like when I first started trading on the floor, that's when we started talking about electronic trading and the access. And the first time that I heard a couple of other employees, senior level employees Uh at at Timber Hill and then interactive brokers describe like the electronic access, uh, the tools that could be provided, leveling the playing field. Look, I just got goose pimples again, thinking about some of the discussions I had that got me excited about it, right? So I saw the advent of electronic trading. I saw the advent of the raise system for the options exchanges, meaning all the options exchanges back then displayed separate bids and offers. They initiated the raise system, national best bid and offer, et cetera. And it just continuously leveled the playing field. And then a company called Interactive Brokers uh, created this amazing piece of software. The first time I saw it, I was like, why wouldn't people trade on this thing? <laughs> and, and then I learned more and more about it. And, and I got more demonstrations about the product. And I was like, we haven't named the product. It's the smart. It was the smart router. Is that it, what the smart first? router and the trader workstation? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and then I, I, I had been in a conversation uh, I used to play in the Chicago Traders Basketball League with a whole bunch of guys from Timber Hill, and it was a lot of fun, right? Uh, we Mike Juneman, to... by the way, is like 6'6", six, six, so yeah, he, he's, yeah, he's yeah. a good guy to have there. And he was pretty good. <laughs> uh, but I was having a conversation with him, and I, I mean no disrespect to some of the very smart people that worked on the trading floors, but I looked at him and I said, Mike, I kind of see the handwriting on the wall. Uh, the world's going to go electronic sooner rather than later. And I don't want to add and subtract fractions. Yes, they traded in fractions at one time. Uh, I don't want to add or subtract fractions faster than the guy next to me. I want to see what the electronic trading world is all about. He goes, well, Donnie, be very careful what you wish for. Um, (laughs) We're going to start a company called Interactive Brokers and start putting it out there for the public. And it'll use this trader workstation that you've seen. Uh, but you have to speak to a couple people before I can say anything else. So okay. from there, I met a nice guy by the name of David Downey, uh, very passionate, intense man, uh, smart as a whip. Uh, but he was a very good mentor for me. Uh, he one day I was placing trades and I inadvertently did a call versus put. <laughs> and I was like, ah, crap. Wait till this shows up at the bridge. And I turn around and there's David Downey's badge, DGD. I was like, how did he figure out that I did this bonehead trade already, right? Yep. Uh, and he didn't, wasn't there to ask me about that. He was asking me to come up and see him after the, the exchange floor closed. And I did. I went up there. He talked to me about interactive brokers. Was wondering if I was interested. Of course I was. Yep. It was going to be the next step in the level of the financial industry. And... I wanted to be part of it and I wanted to learn all about it. And David said, okay, we'll have you come up to the office every day for about a week. And I said, great. And he goes, oh, by the way, don't ever do a call versus put again. (laughs) (laughs) So I I walked out and 
then started showing up in the office uh, on West Jackson in Chicago. And David said, you'll go to the CBOE. You're going to work on the floor there again. You're going to learn about electronic trading. You're going to go to the CME and learn about electronic trading because they came out with Globex back then. And then he goes, you're going to go board a trade and figure out what they're not doing wrong and why they can't get their own electronic trading platform. (laughs) And I got a chuckle out of that one. Okay. Uh, But then I started working for interactive brokers, selling electronic trading platforms. They taught me about clearing uh, worldwide, 27 exchanges worldwide, et cetera. And that got me started and got me excited about for where the rest of the world could go in the financial industry. And so after a few years selling Trader Workstation to clients, you then made a very important move, one that was one that proved to be very good for you. I, I, I did. I did. I had been at the CBOE pitching electronic trading to market maker firms. And uh, two gentlemen in the audience, uh, Tom Sosnoff and Scott Sheridan, said, hey, why don't you come and see us and show us this system and the API that could be used to route trades electronically to the various exchanges? So I did that. And then it became very clear that they were, they were as interested in the system as they were in me. Uh, and one day I showed up and I had my blue blazer on, a powder blue shirt, a tie, a <laughs> pair of khakis, and a pair of shoes, right? Okay. And I walked in and they said, hey, we want to start a company and we would like you to come on board. I said, oh, what's the name of the company? And he goes, it's called Thinkorswim. <laughs> I was like... I was like, well, I don't know if that's a great name for a, a firm in the financial industry, but uh, we talked about it and thinking was the analytical part of trading and swimming was jumping in the pool and making the trade for yourself, right? Yeah. So then it made sense to me. Um, in hindsight, I think it's a very clever name, by the way. It, yeah, yeah. Me and you both. Me and you both, right? Uh, but I said, yeah, but I, I'm going to need... I'm going to need a little bit to think about this. He goes, what is an hour good enough? (laughs) They were all all traders, right? So they were used to instant decisions. And I said a little bit longer than that. And I I mused about it for about 24 hours. And the thought of starting a firm and and being in on the ground floor was totally appealing to me. And so I signed on with, with Thinkorswim. Uh, I went to their office. I had a different colored shirt on, a different pair of (laughs) pants, but still the same blue blazer and a tie. And they said to me, look, you could start in a week or so, but you got to lose that Morgan Stanley look. And (laughs) I was like, okay, that's something we can do. The next time I showed up, I had a pair of jeans on, a New York Yankees shirt, and a pair of sneakers. And they were like, that's much better. Okay. (laughs) Awesome, and and you were there for uh, so you were there from the genesis till when till when they were acquired, correct? That's correct. I, I stayed at, I stayed there, uh, and then TD Ameritrade bought us. Yep. I at the I had I was the chief compliance officer. I was the operations guy. I was soothing customers' <laughs> ills. Uh, many different hats, yep. just like we did with interactive brokers yep. when we all started there, mm-hmm. and uh, TD Ameritrade. They had just about all the pieces, but they but they weren't as efficient as yeah. like we were at Interactive Brokers. They weren't as efficient as we were at Thinkorswim, but they had the client base, right? Yes. So we went through the integration and 
we had futures in Forex trading at Thinkorswim, and they did not. And they said, look, we're going to get better at the option trading thing and with your systems, because it wasn't a it wasn't a uh, client asset acquisition. It was a a a, a potential acquisition with technology itself. I was going to say it sounds like they bought they were really buying the system as much as anything they, else. They were. They were buying the front end system and and one of the things I learned from interactive brokers if you're going to allow people to trade you got to have damn good risk controls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we had very good risk control system. We call it our admin app. Uh, so the integration goes through and the debate started whether we should keep futures and forex trading. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what keeps customers sticky. You, yes. you have to offer these products, right? So guy says to me, well, Donnie, we're getting better at options, but we don't know anything about futures and absolutely nothing about Forex. Uh, we're going to start a company and to take advantage of that stickiness, okay. and we want to become an FCM. I was like, okay, we can do that. And they said, well, would you stay on? and be the president of our, our company, cleverly entitled TD Ameritrade Futures and Forex LLC. <laughs> <laughs> Much less catchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I stayed on and I was allowed to hire my own team, uh, incorporate a lot of the lessons learned in, in, in my life and in the industry and in regular regulatory environment, trading environment and risk. And that was very rewarding. But Steve, I did that for a period of time and I enjoyed it, uh, but started chatting with my wife and I just let her know that I, I think I was gonna retire for a period of time. Okay. So I did that and then it became quickly noticeable that my golf swing wasn't gonna get me on the PGA tour. <laughs> and uh, my, they, quite frankly, they, they were never used to having me around the house so much. Yeah. So. I uh, started talking to a couple people and, and potential investors about starting a new business, which eventually became the small exchange. Uh, I was chief cook and bottle washer, which we we uh, affectionately call the CEO and president. Okay. Uh, I was able to put together a great team. Uh, we put together some great technology, some great ideas for moving forward uh, and Lo and behold, we went through the process, set up a system, uh, got approved by the CFTC, and then COVID-19 happened, and we were, we were uh, the day that we got our, our CFTC approval, the very next day, the mayor shut down the city of Chicago. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. Even but, for an electronic exchange, that's tough because it, because it meant, that it, it had to mean that getting in front of clients, doing everything was just that much harder. Uh, it, it was, it was, but you know, resiliency and challenges, uh, that's what makes people stronger, uh, old expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yep. And that was so true. And if it was easy, Steve, everybody would do it. And, and Mr. Pettifee will tell you that from the way he started and he started Timber Hill, uh, nothing's easy. It takes a lot of drive, a lot of passion, and quite frankly, a lot of chutzpah. You got to yeah. have some courage, right? So. So let's talk, let's, we, we've covered a lot of ground. Let's talk about that secret sauce. What makes, what do you see makes the small exchange special? So we're, we're a little bit different in, in respect to, we always felt strongly that there was a hole in the financial world. Uh, meaning, no, everybody went to the retail 
options trader, an equity options trader, an index trader, but nobody was looking at the futures trader. And the accessibility was not there for the futures trader. So we wanted to create a, a low cost environment, uh, superior technology for access and, and providing tools and education to the end customer. But a lot of it has to do with the products, right? Yeah. Uh, because of the size of contracts, futures contracts around the world, it excluded a huge part of the market, right? Yes. So we we came through and just started designing smaller notional size products, standardizing them as best we can. And then we wanted to provide exposure to both commodities and equity indices because right. they couldn't access them before. Or yeah. they were the very large contracts that look, quite frankly, some people got ran over uh, in big moves because mm -hmm. of the leverage in the futures markets. And we were like, well, not everybody can trade futures, right? Uh, there's risk and reward yeah. with it, and they're not for everybody again. So creating a smaller size product, teaching them how to edu educate people, we want to create sustainable customers in the marketplace, just like everybody else. Yeah. Nobody wants customers to come in and churn and burn burn through $30,000. We want them to take that $30,000, hit singles and doubles, and, and grow their portfolio. Good. And the small exchange allowed to people to speculate, hedge their portfolios, which we thought was amazing for the individual customer. And then the, eventually, we wanted to provide them exposure to commodities that they couldn't trade on the larger futures markets. That, again, for diver portfolio diversification, yeah in managing risk, as well as trying to capitalize on short-term speculation. Now, in an environment where commodities have burst back into vogue, um, yeah. what what are what are some of the ones that are really captivating small exchange customers? So treasuries have seemed to caught the imagination of the small exchange customer, smaller oil contracts, uh, metals exposure has been great. great. And, and as you know, we have, you know, we might have started something here, but there's a lot of smaller size products all around the world. Yep. Traded on many different exchanges. Uh, and I, I th I'm glad we started a little bit of a revolution to, to help bring in that retail trader with the smaller account size. Everything from a $5,000 account to a $500,000 account we want to provide access to. Now, another thing that's exciting for you guys is you have a new partner. Um, oh. <laughs> um, we do. How is that working into your, I'll let you do the announcing of who it is, but, and then uh, talk about how that's coming into your product mix. So we were acquired by a, a company called crypto.com worldwide. They stuck up on everybody in the digital asset space. And now they're probably in the top three or four uh, worldwide, which is great. If you're uh, not familiar with crypto.com, just turn on a financial network Look for oh. the incessant LeBron James ads and you'll know who we're talking about. <laughs> or think about Matt Damon telling you you were kind of a wuss because you didn't favor the bull. Yeah, yeah, uh, right, yeah. right. Uh, fortune favors the brave yeah, and all whatever. that good yeah. stuff. It kind of the same thing as, you know, if it was easy, everybody'd do it. Yes. But anyways, uh, in the beginning, Steve, acquisitions, everything's a one-way flow of information, right? Yeah. So we, we went through that phase. Then the deal closed on March 1st. So now we're 
getting exposure to their different teams, their product team, their strategy team, their technology team, their regulatory team. And I got to say, I've met a lot of interesting people (laughs) while I've been in this business, and they're a pretty good darn group of people. They remind me of several people that I've met at Timber Hill, Interactive Brokers, Thinkorswim, TD Ameritrade, et cetera, uh, smart as whips, goal-oriented, vision, and passion which is great. And that matches up with us very well. Now, initially, the strategy is not going to change. We're going to, we share a lot of the same vision, accessibility, Mm -hmm. capital efficiencies, low cost access is really important to us. Uh, But with them coming, we'll have access to data feeds, uh, research that we couldn't get before. Uh, and it'll help us create a much more broader product set as we move forward to provide access to their customers to the small exchange as well, which is pretty good. As I see it as the outsider, um, it seems like it seems like the synergy is you're getting this crypto customer, the, the crypto customer base and the crypto knowledge to standardize and financialize a lot of crypto products, whereas they get your knowledge with with regulation. And uh, I guess let's talk about this a little bit, but I, I can't sure. let this one not go through, is how I see regulation as being both inevitable for crypto and beneficial for crypto. Do you feel, do you feel that this partnership helps because with your CFTC registration and regulation? Uh, Steve, you hit the nail on the head, right? Uh, it, it is very important that customers feel that they can trade on a regulated exchange through regulated entities. Not to say that there's not some great actors in the digital space, but there's some bad actors as well. Uh, There isn't everything (laughs) because there's money involved, right? But you're spot on. We're going to work with them to create products, to create and make derivatives and option trading uh, and provide access and make these digital assets a more strategic investment than it was just simply buying or holding. Okay. Do you follow me? Absolutely. That tells me that our listeners should stay tuned to the developments coming out of small exchange and crypto.com. I'm not going to ask you to go further because that would be unfair, but um, <laughs> because I know you're just going to shoot me down anyway. But, <laughs> but, but it does sound like there's a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pipe. And I have a feeling when we talk again in a few months, um, whenever that is, you're going to have some exciting stuff to talk about. I will, Steve. Uh, and thanks for not pressing me on that. Yep. But we, we are going to come up with some very innovative products and innovative type of trading uh, here at the Small Exchange. And we're really looking forward to what's in front of us. Very proud of the gang thus far. Okay. And I'm going to be very proud of what they can provide in the future. Well, I can't think of a better way to end on a high note than this, because I, I think there's a lot of stuff that, that we've covered, and it also means there's a lot of stuff to cover. We'll circle back and see what's going on you know, in a few months once this, the synergies take place. I'm going to wish everybody thank you for listening. I certainly want to thank you, Donnie Roberts, for, for joining the Interactive Brokers Traders Insight Radio podcast. We've spent a lot of time working up to the present, but I think it's crucially important for newer investors to have the history, to have the perspective. Um, And so I think sometimes, you know, we give the present short shrift, but I think that there's a lot of people discussing the present. There's not always a lot of people discussing the historical precedent for that present. 
Oh, I agree, Steve. And I appreciate the time uh, that I've been able to spend with you guys here at IBKR Radio. Again, you got to know where you were. You got to know where you are now and then to, to know where you're going to go in the future. And it's been a great journey so far, and I hope to continue it. You and me both. So with that, I'm just going to say thank you to everybody for listening. You've been listening to Interactive Brokers Traders Insight Radio. We've been talking with Donnie Roberts of the Small Exchange. You can find references on our website and their website. We've done a series of webinars, which are available at ibkrwebinars.com. We have numerous articles on tradersinsight.news, and we've been partners with them from the beginning, and we look forward to continuing into the future. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Traders Insight Radio. As always, there's more content at tradersinsight.news. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education materials such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. Options involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. For more information, read the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. Features are not suitable for all investors. The amount you may lose may be greater than your initial investment. Before trading futures, please read the CFTC Risk Disclosure. A copy and additional information are available at ibkr.com. Trading in digital assets, including cryptocurrencies, is especially risky and is only for individuals with a high risk tolerance and the financial ability to sustain losses. Eligibility to trade in digital asset products may vary based on jurisdiction. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry, or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice.